The following ShishMed podcast is a production of drpodcasting.com. On this edition of the ShishMed podcast, we visit with Brian Wynn of NRC Health and Ed Rafalski of Baycare Health, and we talk about the real reason loyalty lacks in healthcare. And make sure you listen all the way to the end for a special long-distance dedication. Hmm, what is he talking about? Hmm. I guess you're going to have to listen to find out. So let's get this podcast started, right? Nope. This is the ShishMed Podcast Rapid Insights for healthcare strategy professionals in planning, business development, marketing, communications, and public relations. I'm Bill Klaproth. In this episode, we revisit a highly rated session from ShishMed Connections 2018, The Real Reason Loyalty Lacks in Healthcare, and how to fix it. With me is Brian Wynn. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. You betcha. And Ed Rafalski. Hey, Bill. Happy to be podcasting with you. <laughs> I'm happy to be podcasting with both of you guys, too. So I've already given you two a celebrity nickname, Brian and Ed, the celebrity nickname of Bread. Awesome. I love it. Isn't there a band named Bread? <laughs> there is a band named Bread, right. All right. Enough fooling around here. We've got to get to work. So Brian and Ed, we start every episode of the ShishMed podcast with rapid insights. One quick tip someone can use to make their marketing better today. Okay, Brian, you're up first. Give us your rapid insight. Marketing at its core function is to be able to communicate a brand promise and invite more customers into the system. The only way to design appropriately about that is to involve your customer in that design and decision-making process. So get to what matters most to them by way of asking what's most important. Nicely done, Brian. Okay, Ed, give us your rapid insight. Remove the friction from the healthcare experience to make the consumer loyal to your brand. You want rapid. You got rapid. Brian and Ed, thank you for your rapid insights. We appreciate it. So, Brian, you get to do the heavy lifting here. Can you give us a brief rundown of your presentation at ShishMed Connections 2018, The Real Reason Loyalty Lacks in Healthcare and How to Fix It? Of course. So, Ed and I wanted to tackle uh, a particular issue that a lot of health systems are beginning, beginning to address, which is uh, loyalty in healthcare, or maybe more appropriately, a lack of loyalty to healthcare providers and systems. So, uh, there's a lot of supporting data that shows that we're actively working to attract new customers, and and have run up against a number of barriers that I think are self-imposed in many ways. Some of it comes from lacking actionable insights. Some of it comes from uh, really the tectonic plates uh, shifting beneath our feet uh, in the healthcare industry. And then there's this issue of consumer centricity which um, is a bit of a, a shift for, for healthcare systems. And so uh, as we think about gaining loyalists and creating loyalists, I wanted, we wanted to very specifically call out a few of the things that are addressable and could potentially be barriers to health systems creating loyalists and, and, and provide some supporting data from the voice of the consumer on you know, how it is that healthcare systems could make their life easier and be more relevant in their life. And then, of course, Ed is doing terrific work at Baycare, and so the back half of our presentation was really to share the work that he's doing and, uh, and, and trying to take a really meaningful, um, tangible step into what it looks like to create loyalists to a healthcare system. 
Absolutely. So let's talk first about the current environment in consumerism and loyalty. Since people are willing to shop, they're open to change, looking for alternative options. So how does that affect loyalty? Can you talk about that? Well, I, we're starting to see the healthcare industry being something that is more consumer driven. So um, anytime a price point goes up, expectations go up with it and alternatives come into play more than they previously had. So as more and more Americans have high deductible health plans and there's more scrutiny on their budget, then they're looking at things like alternative care options. They're, they want to shop price. They're certainly more sensitive to things like convenience and accessibility factors. And I think what we need to understand and reconcile as an industry is that that's no different than any other consumer-driven industry, that this very same evolution you know, has already happened in the financial world and many, many years ago, decades ago, happened in hospitality and consumer packaged goods as well. So it's really just understanding that uh, if we want to keep representing the value uh, that, that we want to to healthcare consumers, then we have to be transparent and convenient and accessible and not confusing, all those kinds of things that we would associate with any other consumer-driven purchase. So, Brian, why should the healthcare industry care about loyalty? They may think, hey, when they're sick, I got them. They're coming to me. I don't need to worry about loyalty. What about that? Well, there's, there's really only two ways that a uh, health system can create new revenue, right? So, you can attract more patients, acquire more customers, or you can retain more customers. And really, if we're talking about acquisition and retention, that, that is loyalty. So uh, how can you design experiences that are going to make you the preferred choice? And then how can you have that experience tuned in such a way to where it met or exceeded expectations so that you can retain that business for hopefully the lifetime of that individual as they make healthcare decisions? Um, you know, the third way to... to recognize revenue impact is to create some efficiencies in the way that you're operating. But in terms of, you know, just being more customer centric, it's really about acquisition and retention. And um, for really the first time in the healthcare space, this is something that is really bubbled up to the very top. It's not, it can be an operational issue, uh, but certainly it's more about how you're messaging what it is you offer and how you can be accessed and then, you know, meeting that expectation that hopefully you understand of your customer. And that acquisition is really important now, too. You did a nice uh, piece about millennials and loyalty. Tell us about that, trying to get people into the pipeline early. Well, <laughs> millennials are, they, they seem to be the great mystery that everybody wants to solve for. Uh, and understandably so, because these, these folks are young, they're starting families, they have a, a, a long lifetime in front of them, and which are going to be needing and accessing healthcare services uh, for themselves and for their family for years to come. But there's a lot of research uh, that shows that millennials are engaging and behaving uh, very differently with brands than their predecessors. And so we want to be able to understand and help healthcare partners understand what it is like to engage with, with millennials and, and understand the potential revenue or lifetime value impact they can bring to your organization or the converse of that is the, the impact it can have if they do not bring their loyalty to your organization. And so how can you message to them what's going to be meaningful? How do they expect to receive services and access them? And, and th that's really at the crux of the research around millennials, but it's not that different than how we would look at how we're going to best serve uh, the boomer generation or even Generation Z, which is you know, the, the heavy digital generation that uh, you know, is, is coming after the millennials, which are really going to be 
uh, looking for digital access, omni-channel things, and, and they're going to have a whole different set of health challenges. Yeah, that generation, heavy, heavy technology. So, Brian, in the presentation, you shared five reasons why a loyalty lacks in healthcare. Let's quickly run down those five, starting with number one, we're not convenient. Well, I don't think that's going to surprise many folks. Um, in terms of convenience, uh, if, if you liken this to another industry, um, I can go online right now, book an appointment, book a hotel room, understand how much I'm going to pay for it, those kinds of things. I can do that from my phone even while I'm having this conversation with you. And healthcare could be very different. So if I can purchase real estate online at midnight, why can't I you know, not get a mammogram scheduled or a, or a routine checkup scheduled for three, four weeks out? And, and I think that's something that uh, convenience is a lot about accessibility and not so much about, uh, well, we have a clinic on every corner in the city. Uh, that physical convenience is something, but, but certainly accessibility to information and um, booking is, is a big part of this. Absolutely. Number two was we don't know what matters to our customers. This really comes down to um, this notion of know me. So uh, in consumers want personalization. And that challenges health systems to do personalization and individualization at scale. Uh, what we can do is understand past behavior. We can understand current and future preference uh, so that we can better understand how to meet utilization patterns and design experiences that are meaningful to them. The best way to understand what is most important to me is to ask me uh, rather than studying what people like me do or how it is that I behaved in the past, uh, we have all kinds of ways to you know, create a feedback mechanism to you know, create meaningful know-me opportunities by asking the individual that you serve on how you can do it better. Right. Okay, number three was confusion reigns. Confusion, unfortunately, is the number one emotion associated with healthcare when, when we ask uh, consumers to associate an emotion, and that is followed very closely by frustration at number two. So what we want to be known for as, you know, life-saving, we want to be associated with gratitude, we want to be associated with health and wellness. Uh, unfortunately, the system we've created is, is quite complex, and, and the issue with that is that healthcare consumers, while they're confused and frustrated, can do something that's really damaging. And I don't mean going to the competitor across the street while that's damaging in, it, in its own right. The really damaging part would be trying to take care of themselves on their own or deferring health care altogether and, and getting sicker. And that's, that's really the danger of, of us creating a confusing health care environment where they don't understand how much uh, things cost or, or you know, how to access care. Mm -hmm. And then number four was well care versus health care. Well, I, I, I think that we've historically seen health care brands um, market themselves as the best possible option for you when you're sick. To, to get you better. So if it's broken, we'll mend it. If you're sick, we'll heal it. And I think most healthcare consumers, and they, they tell us this in, um, in, our, in our market research studies very loudly and very clearly, that they're trying to actively not think about being sick. So most individuals in their lifestyle that aligns with uh, happiness and their goals are around being healthy. And so how can healthcare brands become more relevant in the 98, 99% of their life where they're not in a gown, where they're not sick? And this, this really points towards the work that, that Ed is doing at BayCare in terms of being more relevant in more of the lives of their customers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then number five, disruptors are at the door. 
this is something that I think we can all relate to because we're all healthcare consumers and we're, we're you know, sort of students of business. So how many more cautionary tales do we need to see? You know, how many more Uber disrupting Yellow Cab or how many more uh, Netflix disrupting, uh, you know, Blockbuster? The, the central point of all of that is, is that one of those businesses or one of those industries lost touch with what's most important or what's around the corner to the customers that they hope to earn. And healthcare does not have to experience this. So we, again, we, we've, we have the learning points in front of us, we have the historical things we can reference, and we have the technology to understand what's most important to the individual that we hope to build our business on. And so um, that's, that's really it. You know, there's, there's half a dozen or more uh, cautionary tales that we could cite in the last three years, and I think that we just want to make that point. Well, Brian, you've done a great job explaining why loyalty is lacking. I'm going to turn to you now, Ed, and let me ask you first off, why do you feel loyalty is important? Um, Loyalty is important because um, we have some early research that suggests that by having a consumer loyal to your brand, you can actually influence their behavior and drive different outcomes, both clinically and behaviorally. So, at least the early work that we're doing suggests that if you can create loyalty in healthcare, you can actually change the way the consumer interacts with your brand and actually lead them toward a path of more health awareness and engagement in their health, uh, which then, of course, in a value world, leads to a more um, uh, profitable relationship with that consumer. In a fee-for-service world, if, if this health system that uh, is listening to this is in that world primarily still today, getting the consumer to do certain things still drives revenue. So the, the loyalty strategy works in both the fee-for-service and the value world, which makes it doubly beneficial. Right, health awareness and engagement. That's what Brian was talking about in number four as well with that well care. So, Ed, let me ask you this as we talk about loyalty. How are you approaching creating loyalists? So, so we always begin with research. And so understanding uh, your consumer's behavior patterns and how they interact with your organization is sort of the first thing that you need to start with. And once, once you understand those behaviors, you can begin to build a strategy to approach those you think will be good candidates for a loyalty strategy. Um, and, and one of the ways we've done that is through what we call voice of the customer research, we actually have uh, three online communities. I sort of think of them as Facebook for Healthcare Research. Um, and primarily the one in this space that we've been working with the most is our online community f- with the patient. And so, you know, we have a few thousand people now in that community where we can ask questions and pose them to them and then build strategies to address their issues uh, real time. So can you give us an example of what questions you're asking for someone listening to this? They may think, wow, this is great. I want to ask my consumers questions. What are you asking them? Yeah, I'll give, I'll give a recent example that we did. So one, one of the things that, um, you know, given where we are in Florida, um, having your end-of-life plans in order is actually a really important thing to do, whether you're the person that is aging into that space or whether you're the child of a parent who um, is getting older and, and don't have their affairs in order. So one of the things that we've been working on is getting advanced directives and living wills uh, uh, done in a more fulfilling way with our with our consumers and actually getting the rate of compliance of that work up. And so 
one of the things we did was we had, in these three online communities that we have, we actually posed research to say things like, do you understand what a living will is? And so we asked our patients, we asked our doctors, and we asked our nurses. And then we took it further and, and, and probed to say, do you have one in place? If so, where is it? One of the funny findings we had was that someone actually said, yes, I have one, and it's in my safety deposit box at the bank, but I just realized I haven't told my family. Um, and that was a physician, by the way. So, so what good is it, right? right? <laughs> so you, you, you learn some things by, you know, you, you may assume you have a strategy, but actually posing the question to your community, whether it's the provider community, caregiving community, or the consumer community, you may validate or invalidate some of your working hypotheses, which gives you insights to be able to then design strategies to be able to address those, those issues. So, Ed, when you talk about an online community, is this a Facebook group or dedicated websites? What, what is your online community? Dedicated website. Yeah, dedicated website, separate, separate channel, if you will, uh, not at all related to Facebook. I just use that as an analogy. But it's an online community that is made up of people who already have a relationship with you. So they may not be loyalists yet, but they certainly have a relationship of some kind, which is that they've had an encounter with you somewhere in the course of, of history. And so you build that community that way. We don't pay them anything. They do it voluntarily. Um, and we get very good results in terms of the research that we do in terms of response rates, sometimes upwards of 60 to 70% of the community responding to a question. So how do you drive them to the site and get them to take the survey or answer your questions? Yeah, it's really simple. I'm going to oversimplify it. You know, it's as straightforward as we're interested in your opinion and feedback. We're creating an online community. Would you be willing to join through an email invite? And surprisingly, we get a lot of people that raise their hands and willingly engage. And then, of course, we create a you know, a digital presence of that community. So it does look like a community um, on a website and it gives them a, a sense of belonging to a group that actually has impact. And the, the important thing is we do a feedback loop with them to cultivate their interest by saying, you gave us feedback on the following topic. Here's what we're doing about it. Or here's what we learned. So you create that 360 degree engagement strategy with them just from a research perspective. Right, really interesting. So are you using something like SurveyMonkey or something to help uh, collect all of the answers and compile them for you? How, how does that work? Yeah, we actually work with, with uh, a vendor and, you know, sort of respecting the Shishnid uh, philosophy of not promoting vendors. I tend, I tend to keep that you you. Know, agnostic. Part of <laughs> Thank you. you. So, so, yeah, we work, work with a vendor to, to actually cultivate the community and do the work. Um, so it's not service survey monkey, but it's a it's a vendor that has an, a built-in platform to be able to do all the work for us. All right. So you did all this. You've got all this great information. Tell us about what you did next. What was your next step then in the process? So so once we once we um, determined that there was a there there. In other words, people felt like um, validating you know that healthcare is difficult to navigate. In order to make me a loyal consumer, you need to make it easier for me to access services and be able to arrange my healthcare needs. Um, we then went a little bit deeper and actually did a survey of that community asking them, well, what kind of benefits would you like to see in a loyalty strategy? And so we actually were able to compile a rank ordered list, you know, from highest to lowest of things that consumers were interested in having served up to them in order to make them more loyal. Some were sort of no-brainer suggestions. Others were a little, more, a little bit more extravagant or esoteric, but uh, 
Once we developed that list, we then said, okay, of the things they told us they wanted, let's try to pick a few to build a use case and a straw man model that would then be able to expand, we'd be able to expand upon as we, as we built the strategy. So that's where we started next. So Ed, what were those benefits? What did they want? Well, it's, you know, some of these are sort of straightforward. They want to be reminded what they need to do to maintain their health. So good example, you know, uh, I'm 50 something. When I turn 50, it's time to get your colonoscopy. So being able to remind people in their busy lives that this is what you need to do to maintain your health, um, that's, that's the top thing people ask for is remind me what I need to do because in this digital world, we're being bombarded with, you know, dots and pings and tasks and texts and tweets. <laughs> uh, it's it's getting harder and harder to remember, you know, what it is that I need to work on next. And so that's that was the top one. Another one that's kind of like a real interesting request is I want free coffee. So if I'm sitting around waiting to get a clinical procedure or a visit completed, can I just get a free cup of coffee? Um, which was really interesting. It, you know, it ranked in the top 10. Um uh, online scheduling. So online scheduling is sort of this superfluous uh, need now in a digital world being driven by non-healthcare providers of other things like books um, and video and, and music and being able to just buy and schedule and purchase everything digitally from your smart device is something that we as an industry have to respond to. So that was also high on the list. I love this these are things you probably never would have thought they wanted. It does seem so simple. And then when you ask them, you get an answer back like, yeah, I'd like free coffee. I mean, who would have thought of that? But it's, it's, it's really good. And what both of you have said, Brian and Ed, you have to ask and see what they want and then deliver it. Right. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, on the coffee front, there's, there's actually more to the story uh, because we, as we were building out our loyalty program, we thought that we would give them the free coffee and it could only have a certain value because in the healthcare world, you have to be compliant in terms of the value of what you give them. Uh, but, but we said, we'll give them that in return for giving us more information. So what we said was, there's a bit of trade-off to say, okay, you can give us your name and email, but if we want a little bit more, if you give us a little bit more, we'll give you a, a coffee card that you can use over the course of the year. Um, and it's amazing how many people, I mean, we're talking like in the 80% range, people would give us information in return for that coffee card. And it was a de minimis cost. I mean, we're talking a few dollars. Absolutely. So you implemented these changes, these benefits, these things that people wanted. How did you measure results then? So, so you know, when I, when I think of um, loyalty, I think of compliance. And, and when I think of compliance, I'm thinking of, of right care, right place, right time at the right cost at the right level of clinical excellence. And what we have noticed um, as we built out this program and we built loyalists in this, in this thing we call Easy Pass at Baycare is that we, um, we noticed some interesting trends. Um, first of all, uh, net promoter score was at the time of the Shishman presentation a 73. You know, as you know, that's in, in healthcare terms, that's high, but it's also competitive with other non-healthcare industry net promoter scores. So people were really satisfied with the result of us giving them what they wanted and what they asked for. That's sort of a no-brainer. Uh, give them what they want and they're gonna, they're gonna congratulate you for it. Mm -hmm. But the other, thing, other things we noticed were the following. So we started 
to notice that people were using services and more appropriate services at the right time and at the right cost. So one specific example is that we saw people beginning to use urgent care and primary care over going to the ER. And so when you think about load balancing your, your channels in the healthcare delivery system and sending people to the right level of care, that, that was interesting. People, we began to sort of engage with us in a different way. And we did that both in a pre-post-test and also a control versus intervention group. So we were encouraged by those early results. And the last one, which was really fascinating, was we have, like everybody else has, a newsletter. So we send everybody a newsletter, and the average click open and click-through rates range from 0 to 4%. In the loyalty community, it's in the 30s or higher. So, so, and it's the same newsletter. And so what, what it's, it's the behavioral science of being part of something, and it's, it's being part of something that leads to engagement. So we give them the same content, but they're significantly more probable in opening and engaging with us just because they're a loyalist. And so that then says to me, well, if they're willing to open a newsletter, does that mean they're willing to get their biannual mammography if they're over the age of 50 if they're a woman or a man if they need to get one? Or do they need to get a colonoscopy at the age of 50 and are they going to be more compliant because they're a loyalist to get that colonoscopy? That's that's the work we're about now, looking at clinical outcomes. So at the time of the uh, Shishmit presentation, we didn't have that data, but we're beginning to gather that data now, which uh, is leading us to some more ahas. So Ultimately, the successes have been more engagement, using services that are that are actually more efficient at the right place and the right time and the right cost, and also more engagement. That's really good stuff. And as you were talking about, people are now more willing to open things. And as you remind them to come in for the colonoscopy, so what Brian was talking about, acquisition and retention. Well, there's retention right there. You're getting them back in to raise your revenue. You're getting one more person back in for that colonoscopy. That's really good. Ed, could you just very briefly tell us what is EasyPass? What is an EasyPass membership? So EasyPass membership basically gives you access to a uh, – I'll call it a, a designated site that aggregates all the things that you need to navigate your health in one easy-to-use location. It's a membership program, so you, all you need to do is opt in. There's no cost to you. Um, you're invited um, as a user of our services to participate, although I'll say is that we, we, we segregated our use cases in certain verticals. So where we began the work uh, at the time that we presented this information was in the primary care space. So we invited primary care patients of our own medical group to be members. We've since, and this is kind of fresh off the press, we've since now expanded to obstetrics and we're going to be expanding beyond obstetrics to other service lines. So we're beginning to build different verticals of loyalists by service line. Gotcha. At the end of the presentation, Ed, you had three takeaways. If you could share those with us. And then, Brian, I haven't forgot about you. I'm coming back to you, Brian. I'm going to have you anchor this and wrap this up for us. But, Ed, if you could tell us, what were your three takeaways? Well, so the three takeaways are that, you know, in today's environment, particularly given what Brian talked about in terms of disruptors entering the, entering the healthcare space, consumers have more choice than ever in their healthcare decisions. So, what one takeaway is to involve them in your decision making, and that that's the research community and that's the voice of the customer. Second takeaway, create a strategy to address those five areas that Brian talked about of concern 
that prevent you from creating loyalists. And so work through each of those and develop specific strategies and tactics to address them. And then last but not least, uh, get creative with your loyalty strategy and your program. Set goals, be metric-driven, and then do look-backs to see if you're achieving your expected results. And then, of course, if you're not, make course adjustments. But my early work in this space suggests that we're onto something, and I would encourage all healthcare systems to begin thinking about a loyalty strategy. Really good point, Sid. Thank you for sharing your takeaways and what you're doing at BayCare. Okay, Brian, we're going to bring you back in. You're the anchor. Give us your final thoughts on loyalty. Sure. If, if you're still on the fence as a healthcare organization that you know consumerism is maybe a, a passing fad, I think there's enough data, uh, there's enough sentiment out there, there's enough insight that, that should make you feel comfortable that this is not a fad, it's definitely a trend and it's here to stay and it's going to fundamentally change the way that, that we do business. So I would challenge healthcare organizations, um, if, if you don't have loyalty as an end game, uh, then you might want to start socializing that and talking about uh, setting goals and clear metrics for you know, what loyalty means to your organization and, and how you're going to build programs around and design for it. So, uh, and then the second piece is that once, you, once you're comfortable with the notion of designing for loyalty, and embracing consumerism, then then challenge your pace at that. So I think that you know those organizations that operate with urgency are going to they're going to get well ahead, and uh, I, I think that that's certainly um, you know those are going to be the case studies that, that we all read and that we all follow. So you know pace and pace and loyalty are the two things that I would leave anybody listening with. Brian, really well said, and gentlemen, Brian and Ed, or what you will be known as from now on, bread. <laughs> Thank you for your time today. How about a cut from the vinyl album, 1972's Baby, I'm a Watch You. I would give you anything. <laughs> All right. Ed and Brian, anything for you two guys. You want it. You got it. It's a special long-distance dedication awesome. for our friends Brian and Ed right here at WSHSMD. Baby, I'm a want you. Baby, I'm gonna need you. Okay, enough of that. Enough of that. My thanks to Brian and Ed. If you'd like to connect with Brian, email him at bwin, that's B W Y N N E, at nrchealth.com. Bring me those drums. And if you want to get a hold of Ed, email him at edward.rafalski at baycare.org. And to listen to full sessions from this past year's conference, go to shishmet.org slash education and click on virtual conference. And if you found this podcast helpful, make sure to share it on your social channels and be sure to check back soon for the next Shishmed podcast. This has been a production of drpodcasting.com. I'm Bill Klaproth. See you.